0: Well, hello there. My name is H.W., and thank you so much for listening to the Tone Junkie Podcast, episode 34, and uh, experimenting again with the video version of the podcast, which those of you watching in the video version, or you just noticed the audio is different, my cleaning lady came this morning, and unbeknownst to me, I had to get out of the house, according to my wife, and so I had to, uh, I had to vacate the premises, so it was get out. And I had on my schedule to do a Tone Junkie podcast this morning and a video edition. And I decided, you know what? I will not be stopped. We are practicing the video version of this podcast. And I'm, I'm trying to put this up and edit it and, and, and see what this is going to entail so I can fit it better into my schedule uh, starting in the new year. So this month, or, or maybe starting now, but officially launching January 1, the official Tone Junkie podcast 2.0, except no substitutes. I want to thank everybody who went on iTunes, who went on Apple uh, a podcast and um, who left me reviews. This show had one review, with like five stars and one review with like three stars. And then I asked people to go do it. And instantly there's I looked uh, a day ago and there was 19 reviews, tons of five star reviews. Man, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, I enjoy talking. I really do. Hey, let's get this elephant out of the room for a minute. Um, I I lost my voice. You probably noticed I sound different. It just dawned on me that I've been sounding like this the last couple of days, and, and, and y'all have been none the wiser. That's right. Three years in Tennessee, and I started saying y'all. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, does anyone ever know why they lost their voice? I have no pain in my throat, not a sore throat. I just started losing my voice. Now, I just started this keto diet because uh trying to drop a couple lbs also trying to get my cholesterol in check i have i have high cholesterol on both sides of my family like really high my grandmother gardens every day she's out there she's active in her 70s always had high cholesterol um my i have an uncle who is a personal trainer in just an elite athlete shape for a while still had high cholesterol all through that thing i just we we just we have the genetic predisposition of high cholesterol we really do and even when, when we do the diet and exercise thing, it doesn't seem to help. But, uh, so I decided to get disciplined and I decided I need to do something about this cholesterol because I'm 32 now. I got some kids and, uh, you know, you want to be alive. Hey, that's the reality of this, man. You know, I noticed when I was in my twenties, we always just talked about all this, this BS stuff that you thought was important. You'd go to parties and you'd be like, yeah, so, yeah, I'm really just like working. You know, this is what I want to be my career and stuff and all that stuff. You get to your 30s and you realize nobody in this world cares about you enough to really help you out or keep you down. I mean, other than your parents. But like, I feel like in my 30s I came to the realization there's nobody stopping me if I want to devote my entire life to MMA and become an MMA fighter and win the UFC championship in whatever weight class at age 38 and then tell the story of how at age 30 or 32 or 31, I just decided I'm going to be champ of the world and I'm just going to train every single day. I think like in your 30s, you figure out what success looks like, that anything you do and you do enough of it, you've only got effort, and you've got talent, you know? And who cares if you don't have that much talent to start out with? You can usually make it up with effort. Now, someone else might be better than you if they start out with a lot of talent and they put in that much effort. But, but usually, the people who have the most talent, unless they really have someone to teach them this lesson early on, they skate by on that talent. And they don't learn hard work. It's usually the people who have a moderate aptitude, a moderate amount of talent, and they figure out hard work, really hard work. I'm talking 12, 16 hours a day, unrelenting hard work. I'm talking about the type of hard work that when it's seven fifteen in the morning and your wife tells you, you better get out of the house because the cleaning lady's coming. And I say, but wait, I was going to do... Uh, an episode of the Tone Junkie podcast. Before I left for work, and she says, "I'm sorry, that's not happening. You're getting out of the house." I'm talking about the hard work. That says, "Well, then, I'm going to grab a field recorder and my iPhone, and this pair of headphones I found in the back room of my uh, of the uh, in the storage closet of my office." And I'm going to do a Tone Junkie podcast video edition. By golly, I'm going to do it. Anyway, this keto diet uh, and jumping back, you know, in your, in your 30s, you start thinking about things like cholesterol because you're like, well, probably at high cholesterol in my 20s. I've ignored that for 10 years. Ignoring it again for 10 years, that doesn't seem wise. That doesn't seem good. It's like, you know, you just get a brand new car. And they're like, change the oil after 3,000 miles. Somewhere around 4,500 miles, you're like, look, this was a brand new car. How much damage could I really be doing to it by stretching this out to 4,000? Plus, really, you don't even need to do it every 3,000, but that's what they tell you. And then if you go synthetic, you can go longer. But you know what I'm saying? You got to keep, keep, keep up. you gotta keep care of your car in the beginning, so it lasts a long time later. But you don't feel the effects right away. The car's still brand new, but old HW ain't so brand new anymore. He's 32 years old, and it's uh. Well, it's it's time we we focus a little more on health. Okay, enough about that. So I did start this diet, and my wife looked at me the other day, and she says. I could tell she was frustrated because she made a salad. We had this Friendsgiving. We're going to my friend's house across the street. He makes delicious food. He was a chef. He works with me here at this company here, this oh. office that I'm in. And um, he, uh, he made the most deli- Listen, if you've ever, I thought I knew what turkey tasted like. I thought I knew what chicken tasted like. Then he made it. And I realized how juicy it could be. It could be as juicy as beef. Oh, oh. I went over, I ate a bunch of turkey, I couldn't have the sweet potatoes, couldn't have the mash, couldn't have the stuffing, couldn't have all this stuff. And my wife made this big salad with, uh, you know, it was mixed green spinach and carrots and avocado, onions, and uh, pomegranate seeds, and goat cheese, and uh, uh, and some other stuff. And goat cheese, oh, goat cheese is so delicious. Love goat cheese in my salads. But then she starts to go put this balsamic vinaigrette on, and I go, hey, wait a minute, I can't have sugar. Can we? Because this keto thing is all about about 75% of your intake is supposed to be fat. About 20% protein, only about 5% carbs. And there's a whole bunch of science behind it. I don't want to get into it. But I know it seems crazy. I'm eating a lot of fat trying to lower my cholesterol. But I've read a ton of people online. I know it's all anecdotal. But I've read a ton of people online saying, I had high cholesterol. I've done a lot of stuff. And I did this. And my cholesterol went down. So that's why I'm doing this. So like I said, 30 days, we're going to do this and then we're going to try it out. And then we're going to, you know, I'm going to go have my, uh, my blood checked. Okay. So lost my voice, went to my buddy's house and I can tell my wife is frustrated with me because I was like, can you take some of the salad out for me for like, can I take, can I serve some of the salad? But she had made this very presentation like salad. And the way we were doing it was everyone put all the food on the table. And you know, my buddy's a chef. He had made all this gorgeous food looks like a cooking book, you know? And then we were taking pictures. So she didn't want to wreck the salad. She wants to dress it. I'm like, can people just dress it on there? She's like, I can tell I'm frustrating her. So I get her to just serve me the salad. We take the pictures. I get, I serve some salad first. And then I, I put a little uh, apple cider vinegar and some oil on there. That's my, that's my dressing. She goes for the balsamic vinaigrette. Now, I, I later realized the balsamic vinaigrette, I, I probably could have had it. It's, 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 it would be like the smallest cheat possible. It's almost, it's almost okay to eat, but, um, she looks at me, she goes, HW, you are, that's right, she calls me HW, HW, you are, you're just extra right now. You're she's like, oh my God, HW, you are just extra right now. You are so extra. Okay. I just can't, I, I, I'm going to go to the store right now. You are extra. I know what that means for those of you who don't know what that means. Right now, there's this slang that when you call someone extra, when you're like, oh, you are just extra right now, it means you're too much. Like, you are just too much. You're too much right now. And so I'm like, okay, what, because of the diet and everything? She's like, just everything. She's like, you're HW, and and then I just showed her this meme someone made. I forget who made it I'd right shout you out right now. I forget who it was. Was it Michael or was it? I forget who it was. I forget who it was specifically, but I, I took that meme and it said, it was a picture of me and it said, hello there, my name is H.W. Or hello there, I'm H.W. And you just read this in my voice. And I thought it was so hilarious. I downloaded to my phone. I've been showing everybody. It really made my week. It really did. I got to go send a thank you message for, I got to go look back up who, who that was. I it made my week. I've been showing everybody. And she's like, just with people making memes and this diet and, and you're just talking about, you're like, I can't have balsamic vinaigrette. You are just extra. And so I'm, so that it's, you're too much. You're too much. It means you are just too much. But then I realized I'm thinking about this and I'm going, okay, well, we don't want to be extra. I want to tone it down a little bit. I don't want to be extra. If my wife feels like I'm extra, that means I'm stressing her out. I'm being too much. Anyway. So then I started realizing, oh, there's this other saying going around. And it's like you call someone, you know, the B word. It's a bad word. It's a B word. It's like a it means a female dog. You, and I hear people do this on like, Twitter and Instagram stuff. You are a basic beep. Oh, she's a basic beep. Oh, don't come look at me, basic beep, right? This is the thing, right? So I'm I'm analyzing the culture here for a minute. I'm going, wait a minute. If you're extra, you're too much. That means too much. That's too much. Tone it down. All right. It's negative because it's excessive. Excessive. If you're basic you are not fancy you are not good you're just basic and that's what they mean by that basic be like you are like you are simple you are not fancy you are not good enough so so what i'm gathering here is that extra is too much basic is not enough well where do i want to fall what is the proper sufficient adjective that people are using today? And I'm not really sure. I took to the bubblegum aisle of Walgreens to solve this question and also uh, walked uh, you know, just thought of some Tylenol and advil stuff. I don't think you want to be extra strength. that seems more than than extra. I don't think you want to be... Super basic, that means more basic or something, right? Do you want to be deluxe? I think so. Deluxe isn't extra, it's upgraded. I think you want to be the upgraded version of basic. It's not too much. Deluxe isn't necessarily more, it's higher quality. So I think you want to be today deluxe or maybe premium. Maybe if someone's like, you are just deluxe. I think that's a compliment. I'm really not sure. I need to ask someone. I'm going to try this on my wife. I'm going to, I don't want to be like, oh, you look so basic right now. She'll be like, that's an insult. And I'm like, oh, my bad. And I don't want to be like, you are so extra right now. She'll be like, um, I'm not too much right now. I'll be like, okay. I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna just be like, that outfit is deluxe. In fact, I might adopt that. Because deluxe is better quality. Deluxe is like a premium offering. I don't know if it works to say premium as well. I feel like basic deluxe extra. That sounds like a spectrum that I could get behind. So um, I'm gonna start using deluxe. Because people are using basic, people are using extra. I'm going to coin deluxe. These tones are deluxe. This hat, deluxe. This podcast, <clears throat> maybe deluxe, I don't know. Anyway, I went to Starbucks uh, this morning and they had, uh, we're going to get the tone here in a minute. went to Starbucks this morning and they had, um, it had a line that I've never seen. I, I thought the Paris riots. Sorry, I'm trying not to pop the microphone because someone gave me the feedback. You know, someone gave me a, uh, a I told you about the, the guy who left me that comment on, on uh, and I, I, I internalized, you know, all these comments. I really appreciate people who left positive feedback on the, um, on the Tone Junkie uh, uh, podcast reviews. But the negative feedback helps. I mean, constructive criticism is invaluable. And by that, I mean very valuable. Um, No, uh, one guy put, you know, there's some audio problems and I try to listen to different places. So that's why I'm I'm using this field recorder. And I I meant to bring a different mic head to put on the field recorder. uh, But hopefully this is okay. And I'm trying not to pop the mic. And so I'm going to be conscious of that. And all in all, we're just bringing the podcast up in quality. And I really want to make it so like, John or the Sus is sitting with me on half of these episodes, at least. You know what I'm saying? Just sitting with me on like half of these episodes. I went to the Starbucks this morning and the line was out the door, out the door. Like, come on, come on. I, I just turned around and walked away. I said, look, I got to get this podcast going. I got other stuff to do today, too. I got to knock this out. I got to get this going. I didn't even go get my coffee. I'm not even sure what coffee I can have now on keto at home. I've been doing the butter and the coffee thing. It's terrible, but I just drink coffee black. Usually, like, you know, I can do that. I enjoy it. Shout out to uh workshop tutorials and uh, uh, Brian wall. I gave up the Khalifa farms, no more Khalifa farms because uh, a little too many carbohydrates for this new diet. Got on the stoke black coffee, unsweetened stoke, unsweetened black ice coffee. Oh, that's flavor. There's flavor in there. You might think, I don't like my coffee. I like to sweeten it. I like to put a little cream in it. That Stoke stuff, rich, deep, bold, beautiful. That's how H.W. describes himself every morning. And the coffee is very similar. Um, Look, this is the Starbucks. I want to show you the Starbucks. I'm going to move all this stuff. If you're on the video edition of Starbucks, the Starbucks is that white building there. Can you see that white building behind the trees? On the corner of that white building is the Starbucks. And that's my view out there. For those of you who can't see, it's this historic, uh, I live, I work in this historic little downtown area of Franklin, Tennessee called Five Points. We're just south of Nashville. And uh, and that's what we do. And um, anyway, we found this office. I literally, funny story, you know how I found this office. I actually found this office. I moved here and I was charged with finding apartments for uh, the three uh, employees who were gonna move out here and their families and also uh, finding uh, office space. I couldn't find any office space. I was working with a person. We couldn't find anything that really worked. And then, um, I, I just heard about downtown Franklin, came down here, went to that Starbucks, walked outside, saw a four lease sign in the suite upstairs across the street and just straight up was like, we'll take it. We will take it. And we did take it. Um, the line was so long at Starbucks. I just, I don't know what to do. And I, The little mobile order thing, it spits out orders while I'm ordering. Because they have the little printer there. They showed me where it was. I've been talking to them about it. And um, uh, they're aware of this podcast. Trust me. They are aware. Starbucks is aware of this podcast. And I'm impressed how many people are aware of this podcast lately. It seems to be on the up. And I've never advertised it or anything. Um, But, yeah, it's... Let me tell you. um, We just... We just need to get a solution here for this mobile ordering thing. It's really crazy. I can't even get coffee in the morning anymore and do a podcast in a timely fashion. So I'm going to go back uh, later and uh, and get some uh, get some coffee. But let's get into tone here for a minute, shall we? Um, Let's get into tone here for a minute. What is basic tone? What is deluxe tone? What is extra tone? And what is that in the gear world? Because I think we have those definitions actually. And I want to be the deluxe. That's what I want to be. I don't want to be basic. I don't want to be extra. I want to be deluxe. That's why I'm gonna, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna start this thing. I'm gonna start using this deluxe word, and we're gonna do something around deluxe tone. The deluxe oh deluxe. I like that word. It sounds fancy. Deluxe. Sounds luxurious. Deluxurious. Anyone got a patent on that? Can't patent a word. HW is a trademark fool. Anyway, let me focus here because uh, I realize I've been rambling for the last couple of minutes. Not all, not since the beginning. I had things to tell you. what would it mean to have deluxe tone and isn't that where you want to be see i look at some of these guys online right and i go like on the gear page i go on i used to go on harmony central but that was many many moons ago i go on uh the camper forum i go on gear talk gear talk p and sometimes i see these guys you know you know what a what an extra board looks like? Like, let's talk about extra boards. Boards that, oh my God, that board is just extra. I can't even stand it right now. It, that board is so extra. I need to leave. I need to leave. That board is extra. You know what the extra board is right now? The extra board is like, hey, and no hate if you listen to this podcast. I don't know what the dude's name was. There's a dude on like Gear Talk BMW who built like an all black pedal board. And I thought like, I mean, that's cool, but like, there's no way that you had all the pedals that were black. Like you either paid more for a lot of those black pedals, like the blackout version, and then you really limited your choices to just things that were blackout versions or that were all black. That was a little much. I don't feel the need to color match. Now more power to the guy. I actually, I, I'm obsessive about stuff. So, maybe I'm extra in that way. But I don't need to color code my board. Then, you know, um, you see these guys, they just have ridiculous setups. Like, I watched Stu G. Stu G and me were working on some profiles recently. And he was showing me a setup. And Stu G had, I'm going to go from memory here on what he had going. Stu G had um, a gig rig controller. That Daniel had built him and set up for him and stuff. Stoogey also had a compressor. He said, this is my compressor. It's my on all the time compressor. It's my JHS pulp and peel. Then he said, I have a Jackson Audio Prism. I really like what it does. And sometimes when I used to, he said before he was traveling with Kempers, he said he would use it to EQ the amp. He would get the amp going. Then he would turn that on, add more body, add more high end. There you go. The next thing he had was uh, his main drive. What was his main drive? Oh, my gosh. Was it a Morning Glory? No. Oh, my gosh. I can't even remember. Anyway, he had those things, and he was pushing the amp. And then from there, he had a, um, oh, it was a third power overdrive. He had the third power pedal. And it sounded great. Then he had his JHS Kilt. Then he had... um, I think he had some type of a trem or chorus pedal. I don't remember which one off the top of my head. But then he had a couple H9s. And that was pretty much it on the board. And he had it all MIDI hooked up. He was changing all... He had all sorts of H9 sounds all queued up there. He had all sorts of things dialed in and going. It wasn't too much. The guy had a... compressor. He had what I'll call, I won't call, I'll call the, for, for this case, I won't call the prism a compressor. I'll call it like a little boost. He had a compressor, a boost, two overdrives. Oh, he had a third overdrive. What was it? I can't remember. Anyway. Oh, well he had both sides of his, of, he had two sides of his, uh, kilt. So we'll call it, we'll call it two to three overdrives. He had a little modulation pedal and then he had his H9s doing delays, reverbs, modulation, all sorts of stuff. And it was deluxe. I'll call that deluxe. It wasn't extra. That's my point. I see guys they go, Well, look, I got the big sky, I got I got the strife, I got the big sky, the timeline, the Mobius. Then I went and got this, but then I, I had to have on top of that the chase audio um, uh, warble one, you know, that, that, that warbly one, the warped vinyl. Then I had to have the new one. Then I have this separate analog delay cause I need a real analog delay on my board too. Then I had these four drives. Here's my first stage drive, my second stage drive, my third stage drive, my fourth stage drive. Then I have this EQ. I have this drive that I just used with my Telly. I've got this thing doing this. I've got this thing over here. I've got this volume pedal, this blah, 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 does this and that. I got this whammy for this. I got that. And it's extra it's so much i found when i had too many pedals it took away from my creativity because i didn't use the pedals to their full ability i actually limited the use of each pedal by having too many so it was it was interesting it actually pushed pushed me creatively to have less pedals to go okay and 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 here's my thing a lot of people have pedals on their board that they go and, and i respect this i don't think this is bad They go, well, this drive sounds great for necks, neck pickups. You know, you go to that neck pickup sound, then I use this drive here. I think that's cool. One of the things I do is I rarely do that. Or let me say this. I I need to have two drives on my board if I'm going to do drives that I feel work for all the positions of my guitar that just give me more gain. One of those is going to be a Tube Screamer or a Clon because it does a thing on any pickup position. And the other one's going to be something like a King of Tone or an OCD or something, maybe a Timmy. Maybe a blues break uh, a bluesbreaker style drive or you know something like the morning glory. That would be bluesbreaker-esque. Like the black box two. Great, great bluesbreaker style drive there. I got a video coming out of the black box later this week. That guys been waiting on me for months. So I apologize to Josh at Snaus for that. But we're gonna get that going really, really soon. This week. Later this week I'm gonna put that out. And, um, you know, in a nutshell, uh, I got to have some overdrives that just work all the way, but some guys really, they expand their overdrive selection to have ones that I really love this with a humbucker on the bridge. It gives me that ACDC sound or really rocking sound. And then I have this, I've got the tube screamer set up over here for SRV stuff or that. I, um, I like stuff that works with everything and that is limiting to me in the other way. And that sometimes I don't get the more specialized sounds. But right now, I've got stuff that works for me. And I think that's why I love P90s. (coughs) Excuse me. I could edit that out, but I won't. Um, That sounded like a bad Batman impression. Anyway, um, I think those guys who are extra, I just see way too much in the way of switching, way too much in the way of pedals. And I just look at it, and I'm like, bro, that's too much. And then sometimes I find the guys who play those those pedal boards, Sometimes I then go watch, and I'm not going to call it any makers. I'm just going to say there are some guitars on the market that are way overpriced. I own one or two. Honestly, my Custom Shop Strat, for what it is on paper, it's overpriced. Now, it's Gold Sparkle. I don't see many of those, and it's got so much freaking mojo. I can't explain, because if you know about how the Custom Shop makes instruments... You know how special they are. Uh, you know about, um, it has these the uh, dual mag pickups and it's just tremendous. That guitar feels like a vintage Strat someone made last year. It really does. It just got that mojo behind it and I love that. I love that. What it does, it does really well, but it doesn't do a lot of things. It does a lot of Strat things and nothing else. But sometimes I notice these guys either play one of two things. If they got these extra boards and their boards are just so extra, like over the top, bro, you don't need all that. Bro, you're playing a one five little bass riff here on a Sunday morning and the sound guy's got you turned down and you got you know, you got more in pedals than people have in their first apartments. No, I don't know. Um, then you got sometimes I notice they're like, and I just play this fender Mexican made telly. And there ain't nothing wrong with a Fender Telly. There ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just that it does seem a little lopsided to have three or $4,000 on your pedal board, not just your amp, not with your amp, just on your pedal board, and then be playing a $600 guitar. I don't know. That seems a little funny to me. But what do I know? Then you got these guys who are basic, and I got to tell you, some of these guys are great players who are basic, but sometimes it's like, dude, you, you need to step that up. Like, you ever see the guy who comes in and he's got, like, he's got the Digitech bad monkey, and then he's got, like, a Boss uh, BD2, the Blues Driver 2? And he's like, yeah, and he's never heard of anything else, you know what I mean? He's like, yeah, I had that Boss Tube Screamer for a while, and you're like, what, excuse me? Bosses and make a tube screamer, sir. They make an SD one. It's similar to the tube screamer, but it has asymmetrical clipping and it's yellow and, and, and it has a little more gain. And I think there's less clean mix. There might be none. How dare you? And you know, he's like that guy's like, Oh yeah, my buddy used to have this, this uh, pedal. It was really cool. It was really, it was a long time ago. It was called a, a big moose. And you're like, do you mean a big muff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had it in a wooden box and uh, had Russian writing on the back. Big moose. And you're just like, bro, I see you got some chops. I see you know your stuff. What are you playing? Oh, you're playing uh, a Korean made squire for the last 40 years. Bro, you're basic. You need to step it up. Those chops deserve better tone. You want to play at Squire? I get it. That's fine. Let's get those pickups upgraded. Right? I'm not I'm not slamming on Squire if you're just starting out and that's a thing you you can get. I'm not slamming on Squire if you got no money and that's what you could afford. I'm just saying after that long, you could have saved up for a pickup replacement and you could get on the net and read about it. Tone is serious business, y'all. Who are these people? I meet occasionally these guys and they're good players. They're just like, yeah, I got that Digitech bad monkey in this. And I'm kind of like, you know, you're in my head. I'm like, your tone could be a lot better, bro. Like, like I listen, I'm like, you're a good player. Your guitar sounds like garbage, you know? I don't know. Or just, just, I think those are the people who are, who are, um, who are basic. I think for me though, like I don't want like that's a thing. I think this whole gear thing and buying and selling gear and having a lot of pedals, it's fun and it's entertaining. But I don't want to be the guy. One time I heard somebody say this, and they were like, "Well, I, I really consider myself more of a pedal player. I really like to like sculpt my tone and create landscapes." And I felt like I don't know what that's about. That's a crutch. That means you haven't learned your instrument enough. Now look. I'm not the greatest player in the world, but actually I think I play in the praise and worship style very well. In my opinion, I think I play well because I make sure my tone fits. And when I'm one guitar player, I really am asking myself, what are the, what is the ear candy parts and what parts do I have to go more rhythmic because I'm the only guitar player today? And then in the other, you know, how can I serve the song? I mean, to me, I want to be a musician before I'm a guitar player, if that makes sense. And sometimes that means on projects like I, look, I could have done, I just did this record and I'm listening back to it. There are parts where I stepped out and said, this is going to be a guitar heavy little part, but there were so many parts where we layered rhythm guitars and octave guitar. And I love rock music and it makes it rock. It made it rock out, you know, and I could have been more meadly meadly with the solos. We could have been more intricate. We could have put in a harmony part. We could have done all sorts of stuff, but there was a lot of times where it was just like the right thing sounds like right here for an electric guitar to come in playing just simple triads on the ones on this first chorus. And yes, we have a main riff that's coming and it doesn't. And as the whole band drops out on this first chorus, Like, you know, that Hillsong thing, this is the standard, this is a very typical arrangement they do right now in praise and worship music and Christian music. You're building up, you have like a rhythmic thing going on, the guitars are in, they're doing riffs, and then first chorus, everybody lays out, except for the vocals, right? And like some pad, everybody lays out, it makes the first chorus, It's, it's, you'd think you'd be building this first chorus, you actually build and then everybody lays out on this first chorus. You see it all the time. It's it's, a, it's in a bunch of Bethel stuff. It's in a bunch of everything. Those are the instances where it's like you could leave guitars in, you could be guitar heavy at those points, or you could really lean back, and you could, as a musician, go, I'm gonna, I want to play the dynamics of the band. I want to play that. I'm gonna play the dynamics of the band. I'm not just going to play my guitar part because it's ear candy and it's great. I want to make sure that the best parts are impactful and come in. I was one guitar player. There's a song on this record coming up called um, You Have Never. And there's this great riff at the cor- that kind of follows the chords and hints at the melody. There's this beautiful female vocal singing. And it's this great, I would call it a very Bethel-esque little part. And it's using uh, sixths. And uh, I'll do a video on it showing all the parts that we we, we wrote and uh, all the parts that we wrote and uh, recorded for that record. I'm going to go through them all and just tell you how I approach worship music, what I think it means to play to the dynamics of a song, what I mean, think it means to play a, a part, to be a musician first, not a guitar player first. Um, but we, we put in this part, it's a very Bethel-esque sort of, sixth part where it's a slide, note, slide, note, slide, note, slide, note. And it, and it stay, it's really complementary to the melody because it's a slide on the pickup note, slide on the pickup note, slide as a pickup note, note. Uh, so I'm hitting, you're hitting the one in a, in a, um, uh, let's see, you're hitting the one on the first chord on the three. So you're, the pickup note is a slide from fourth to fifth. Note of the scale, the fourth of the fifth. Then we hit the third of that first chord, that D. Next one, I'm sliding from the fourth to fifth of the next chord. Hit the third. Next one, same thing, fourth to fifth there. And then there's a slight resolve in that we in that on the last chord. Let me do this math for a minute, and then we're sliding to the to the one to the five of the scale, and hitting the two. Which kind of makes a suspended sound, Uh, but that's suspended in the key of D. There would be, hang on, I know this is boring to listen to, but we're playing a G chord, so we're playing the the four chord, and I'm sliding to the fifth of the first of the one chord, which puts me at an A, a two there, and then a a two as a an A and an E, I think. Anyway, it it works. It works with the. it, it works with the with the song, you know, uh, and, and and it kind of gives a slight resolution to that last chord. It's following very, it's very chordal. It's it's very chordal as it goes up, and it's and the timing is is helps. It it, it it's it's in the pocket. See, it's chordal in that tonality wise, tonally. That's a better way to say that. Tonally, it's working with the chords, but the timing. I'm actually sliding up on the pickup note to get to one of those tonalities and then I'm hitting the third of each chord on the one. And the reason I'm doing that pickup note there is because if you could hear the vocal, you realize I'm staying away, I'm staying in between the vocal. I'm playing in between the vocal as to not compete with them. It's an interesting thing, something you could be conscious of. Now, listen, a lot of times you're playing rhythmically, you're going on the one, but now then I have another song where, look, we had to mix the part way back in its way reverby because it's, the, the little part is almost on top of the vocal on purpose. I mean, it's, it starts on a second, on the second beat. So it's a little different kind of uh, feel, but you could do whatever you want. It's music, right? There's no rules, but my, my point in saying all that is, what was my point? It's a fine line between getting too involved in your sound and your tone and and going, I want to serve the song. I always want to serve the song. I think if you start focusing on, I'm more of a pedal guy, or I'm, I really create more landscapes. You know, I'll just tell you my thing. I can be a little rock and roll in my playing. Like sometimes I notice I'm a little more aggressive with the gain and with the, with the power chords and the buildups, I really go there. I really like to go there. I really like to throw in a lot of sort of like rock riffs. If I have like a solo or if I have like a, not a solo, I don't really take solos in worship music, but you know, sometimes you go to a breakdown and you might go back to the melody, but then you can, as a variation, you might play the melody one time, you know? Um, and then you might do some variations and really get some, you know, aggressive sort of bends or something, you know, um, and do some, you know, some of that Yeah, I don't know those those unison bends. You know, that can get a little dissonant. You know, Um, I I lean towards that stuff. I lean towards a little more of an aggressive sound. That's just the the music I like. That's the thing I, you know, that youthful angst is still in me. But I've always thought, as a guitar player and as someone with gear, I want to be more like the Edge than I want to be Joe Satch. You know what I mean? I want to serve the song. I want to really like serve. The song is a big deal. We don't talk about that enough serving the song. What does a song need? There's, there's also like this weekend I was playing and we were playing that part I was talking about and I realized in playing that part. Well, look at the very first chorus. I come in with this little pickup note slide riff using these sixths and I go, well, Okay, and so that worked, and so I played it, and then I played it kind of more aggressively the second time and third time, but when we went to a big bridge, my part changed, when I come back to that, that part is hard for one guitar to play and add aggression to it. So I just started playing the part and then filling in other notes around the chord so that I could have a more rhythmic arpeggiating thing to bring up the volume. It's not what I did on the record. Cause on the record we had a rhythm guitar and we had that guitar. But when it's one person, I, I, did, the, I did the slide up hit note on the one and then I kept picking and then I would I would play that whole chord. In like a little arpeggio and maybe add some little things just to give it more energy because the band was up and we've been somewhere, and I don't want to come back down to like where I was at choruses before the bridge. We've been through a bridge, we're back to a chorus. You know, the purposes of lyric and song, you know, I know a good bridge. Oh well, no, you write a good bridge, a songwriting tip. Here's a good bridge. The chorus is meant to be the truth, the central theme. It's the North Star. Everything in the song should point towards what the North Star is saying. So I'll give you a hint. This song in the chorus says, you have never, you have never, you have never left us. You have never, you have never left us and you never will. That's the chorus. Everything needs to point to that. So the verses say like, Jehovah Jireh, you unclench my fist. What does that mean? How does that tie in? Well, it means you are, Jehovah Jireh means great provider, God, great provider. And you unclench my fist, meaning I am not holding on. I am not, it is not my effort. I'm not holding on. I'm not in struggle. You unclench my fist, I relaxed, because I trust in your providence. Why? How does that relate? We could, we trust, this is a, this is, a, okay, I'm sorry if you're not into praise and worship music or Christian thought. The idea, but it's, this is a songwriting lesson. The idea, because th- this is an original song my church wrote, and I've been playing it since it kind of got introduced and stuff. The The idea in those lyrics is, Jova Jira, you unclench my fist. you're not alone. God doesn't leave us alone. So there we go. We have this trust in him and we've used an old, uh, an old uh, old world sort of other language term, Jehovah Jireh, to say, my provider, you unclench my fist. That that goes back to the Judaic tradition of calling him that. Of refer, you know, uh, anyway, uh, whether you're Christian or not, just hear the songwriting lesson in this. And then it says, through flood and fire, you are in the midst. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, you unclench my fist. Through flood and fire, you are in the midst. God's always there. He's always with you. That's the setup for the north star of the song. You have never... You have never, you have never left us. You have never, you have never, you have never left us, and you never will. That is a logical, that's what they call um, internal logic in a song. You could literally read the words, and it reads like poetry. The melody isn't hiding anything. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, you unclench my fist. Through flood and fire, you are in the midst. You have never, you have never, you have never left us. It makes sense. You've walked someone literally up to the top of the mountain and the top of the mountain is the chorus. That's it. The chorus is the place you arrive at. Song two. Song two is now we're going to take another. I'm sorry, verse two. Verse two is now we're going to take another mountain pass. We're going to see some stuff that helps us appreciate the beauty of the mountain. And we're going to return back to the top of the mountain. It doesn't start you at the bottom of the mountain again. That's why there's something called the verse, the second verse curse. A lot of people in songwriting, why are we talking about songwriting? I don't know. I just decided to right now. Maybe because it works with tone. It has to do with tone. Actually, I really feel I'm a better guitar player because I started writing music and because I started studying songwriting and because I got around people in Nashville who, who study and write songs. And I started watching their very intentional approach about rhythmic prosody about in- internal linear logic and about these sorts of things and it helped me go then what are the most important parts of the song and how can i frame it with my guitar playing that is a real that is a really interesting topic the one that i want to explore a lot more in content but that whole thing i can't remember the second verse of that song off the top of my head or i'd read it to you but um the, the second the point of the second verse is to go um uh let's, we can't go back to the bottom of the mountain. We've just been on a journey. We've just started somewhere and brought, brought the listener up to the top of the mountain, up to the highest point, the strongest declaration, no matter what that is. It could be, you know, three more beers and she'll be Britney Spears, you know, um, you know, uh, a little more Cuervo she'll be Christina Aguilero. You know what I mean? That's the, in that song, that's a that's a country artist, a buddy of mine named uh, uh, Phil Claypool. You know, is three more beers, she'll be Britney Spears. Uh, a little more Cuervo, she'll be Christina Aguilero. <laughs> you know, it's like he's drunk. He can't say Aguilera, but it also works for the rhyme scheme. Um, and that thing, it's about, you know nothing's going on for me tonight. I'm just going to drink a little more and that lady at the bar is going to seem better. That's the highest thought of song. It's a song about partying. It's a song about whiskey. Only on the Tone Junkie podcast do we talk about a worship song that says God is your provider. He will never abandon you. And then we talk about getting a little more drunk so that the girl at the bar who you do have a shot with tonight uh, looks better than she does when you're sober. <laughs> hey, that's I'm just analyzing music here for a minute. That's, the, that's where you go. So then you come back down. You don't start back at the beginning. You don't need to introduce the themes. The listener has already heard what the song's about. That applies That applies to songwriting too. One of my buddy Nick, who I played on this record with, he really, he really taught me some things when we were recording this record because he kept t- adding, he was like, throw in this little line. And I would go at like a little turnaround. And I'd go, it was something reminiscent of the melody. He'd be like, it's nice just to revisit that thought. It's nice to revisit that melodic thought because we introduced it at the intro and we're not going to get to it again until, you know, until the second chorus. So let's just, in this little turnaround, let's just hint back at it. Even if it was hinting back at a piano melody that was played in the beginning, because maybe a song starts with the piano and it played a little melody. And then in the verse and then in the turnaround, even when the piano wasn't playing it, you could hint at that same melody. And then, and then, you know, if it's not there at the first chorus, or you just, or it's coming later in the song, you could hint at melodic ideas. Anyway, verse 2, you're going on another little mountain pass. You're learning more about the mountain. But we've already been to the top mountain, so don't bring people back down. Keep going with the theme. Maybe in the Jehovah Jireh song, you don't need to say, you Jehovah, you and unclench my fist. You could give more examples of... Um, uh, 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 of those provident ideas. Now the bridge, here's the beauty of a well-written bridge, the real beauty. And by the way, if you want to know, bridges are modern musical inventions. We haven't had bridges for very long in modern music. Maybe they're, they're 200 years old, maybe. B sections, you know, they start out really like a B section. Music was not progressive enough. We later in the 70s got into progressive music where there's four bridges. Everything's just about... It's not even called bridges. just these different sections of the song that are all mashed together to form progressive music. Jazz really pushed on that after the bebop era of the 40s. Then you get Miles Davis. You get Herbie Hancock. You get Charlie Parker. uh, You get later Charlie Parker. You get John Coltrane, really. And they're doing the stuff around um, uh, progressive jazz and stuff. You get John McLaughlin who played... Um, on, um, uh, on the big Miles Davis record. And then you get, um, you get him going on doing the Mahavishnu orchestra and, uh, you really get some progressive jazz stuff. Check out the Maha Vishnu orchestra. John McLaughlin has some beautiful guitar playing and beautiful progressive arrangement. Stellar dude. He later, John McLaughlin, if you've ever looked, he later was doing a bunch of classical stuff when he got to be an older man with Paco de Lucia. And Aldi Miola. And, and you could just see that's a musician. That guy serves the song, serves the everything. You want to see another guy who serves the song? Miles Davis was maybe the greatest trumpet player at the time he was around. Maybe he still is, I don't know. Depends on your thing. You know, people might say Dizzy Dizzy Gillespie was the best tr- trumpet player. People might say other, other people, I don't know. Depends if you're into bebop, Dizzy Gillespie is, is one of the best. Miles Davis, though, is by far one of the most influential musicians uh, of the past 100 years. But go listen to his, um, what's it called? Something like jazz or blue, blue. It's not blue like jazz. Why am I saying that? Um, I forget the name of his record. His Anyway, he has the album that put him on the map. And then after that, go look up his record Impressions of Spain. He married a Spanish woman and moved to Spain and listened to the music. And then he said, I'm going to do this music. And Miles Davis, the greatest jazz trumpet player uh, of that time, for sure, the most influential. He makes a Spanish trumpet record. And it's awesome. It's awesome. (coughs) Sorry. It's awesome because he serves the song. He serves the style. He submits himself to the song. I think so much of being a great guitar player, a really great guitar player in the way that I want to be, in the way that I serve the song, in the way that I lend my parts, is one about, oh, I love cool guitar things, I love that, and trying these techniques. But two, I really think it's about serving the song, submitting yourself to a style. Submitting yourself to a style. There's something in that, and then uh, um, well, you know that that's enough talk. Listen, the point of the bridge. Here's what I was going to say because bridges are nearly impossible to get a great bridge, and when you get one, it's stellar. And then a lot of bridges are just good. A great bridge when you climb that mountain. First verse climbs the mountain. We get to the top of the mountain. Second. Second verse, we go on some mountain pass that teaches us, that shows us more about the mountain. And then when we get back to the top mountain, there we are we're at the mountain again. The bridge is designed to give us, I'm talking about songwriting here for a minute lyrically, to give us a new idea or a new truth so that when we come back to the chorus, we understand whatever the chorus said in a new way. Let me repeat that. The bridge's job is to take us somewhere else. Tell us something. And tell us something so that when we come back to the chorus, we see that chorus message in a new light. So let me let me give you this. Jehovah Jireh, you unclench my fist. Through the flood and fire, you are in the midst. That is written from the perspective of someone who is what? What's the perspective of that person? It might be a person who hasn't won yet. They don't sound particularly triumphant. They don't sound defeated, but there's not a a voice of triumph or victory because they're walking up the mountain. They haven't gotten to the truth yet, the truth of the chorus, the north star, the main idea. But the bridge in that song goes like this. Remember the chorus? You have never, you have never, you have never left us. You have never, you have never left us, and you never will. The bridge goes, I can't even remember all the bridge lyrics, but it starts with, you go before us, you come behind us, you something, something, you go before us, you come behind us, I can't even remember the lyrics, <clears throat> and he says, nothing can stop you, you go before us, you come behind us, none none can stop you, um, you know, The point is it introduces the idea of triumph see the first one is god is with you in the tragedy but then after the bridge it's telling you we go to a place of triumph and when we come back the words you have never you have never you have never left us they no longer just mean You're always with me even when I can't feel you. You're always with me in the darkest times. You're with me in the storm. You're with me in all those things. You're always with me when I'm down. Now it also means you're always with me in my victory. You're always with me in my triumph. And you even help bring the victory or you do bring the victory. You help me overcome or you are the one who's overcoming. I'm just along for the ride. I'm not trying to be theological here. I know not everyone's a Christian who listens to this podcast, and I, I, I'm, 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 but I'm just using a song that I recently recorded. That was the style of the song. And um, so melodically, I'm always thinking how to stay away from the vocal, tonally how to stay away from the vocal, how to not compete with it, but how to add to it, how to accentuate it, how to frame it. Great guitar playing, I think, is about framing pieces of the song. I think great music is frames the point of the song, it frames the melody. Sometimes I play along with that melody, sometimes I hint at that melody, sometimes I harmonize it with that melody. I borrow from the melody, I support the melody. Sometimes I have my own melody, you know, on, on my own melodic idea. That's maybe an intro. That you know, the singer never sings that line. So and I think tonally with gear. For me, the Kemper is straight up deluxe. It can do so much. It might look—it's not basic in that. It's not too little. It's not not—I'm not not giving my gear enough attention by just playing a Kemper. It has some limitations for sure, but being able to craft these different sounds and bring them in—it it helps me have that deluxe tone. I think deluxe tone is what we're all after. Deluxe tone is it. I've been HW. I sincerely hope you have enjoyed this uh, episode of the Tone Junkie Podcast. Thank you so much. As always, just a reminder, uh, if you enjoy the podcast and you haven't already, thank you to everybody who has, but go ahead and uh, uh, help me out. Leave a uh, leave a message on iTunes. And um, you know what I want to do? As a, We're going to start doing these podcasts two and three times a week with guests in a studio that's built to be a podcast studio. That's going to make doing these podcasts very easy for me and it's going to make editing a cinch and i'm going to be able to get these up and i hope to be able to be doing live versions eventually um so let me say this this podcast may get sponsors in the future but here's what i'm going to do i'm not going to it's not going to be dumb sponsors here's what i mean by that you know who might sponsor this podcast the new tone junkie pack i might remind you of it at the beginning and close of a thing or it's going to be something like this here's an example i haven't talked to these people or anything but it might be at the end of a podcast like this, or at the beginning, it might be like, hey go, hey guys, I want you to know that solenoid pedals, solenoid cables, has these new products for the Kemper. Uh, they make looms for the Kemper, and they have a special 25% off deal for Tone Junkie listeners. I haven't worked out that deal yet. I'm going to go reach out to those guys, because I think they make a great product, and I, I'd love to support them. And so I want to do it, but I want to bring sponsors that are maybe offering something to, to the community. You know, who's got a discount on strings right now. Who's got a discount on whatever and maybe save some money. Uh, cause I think it would be great. Uh, if we could know, especially with like black Friday, like, you know, mission, like I, I, I apologize to mission. I didn't shout it out, but they had let me know, Hey, we're going to be doing a sale on black Friday. Let people know. Maybe you want to get a pedal or something. It's no, I'm not trying to pressure people and make this about commercials, but I think there is a place for if someone has a new product out and it's related to the Kemper or related to what Tone Junkie does, I think there's a place to go, hey, there's some exclusive thing. Now, I'm not going to inundate you with, hey guys, just yesterday, Tone Junkie just released another pack. Go buy the new pack. Go buy the new pack. I talk about the new pack. Sometimes people are into that. If you're not, you're not. Uh, but I'm not going to ram it down your throat. I want the podcast to be a place people just listen and hang out, do their thing. And, uh, all right, there we go. Uh, In the words of the great uh, Adam Carolla, mahalo. In the words of uh, of the great Howard Stern, hello there. I'm sorry, I mean, uh, hey now. Uh, And in the words of H.W., deluxe.